I'm going to go straight into it. Who likes it, the 7 o'clock start? Who hates it? It's okay, you can say if you hate it. But, but we want to start earlier so that we can finish earlier because we want to honour your time and, uh, and also be able to get through what we want to get through without thinking, oh, look, it's um, banging into time. Because I, I do know, um, uh, you know you don't want to be out you know, too late on a weeknight. So um, 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says this, Stay alert. You would have heard this message before, um, this, this, um, this scripture. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So if I can give you some advice about life, never underestimate an enemy. And I know none of us would have enemies like that. But for the church, for you as a leader or for you as a team player in the church, never underestimate the enemy because he does fight dirty and we're going to see some things tonight that I hope are going to be uh, crucial to your future um, in the church and in the ministry that God's calling us into. So my goal tonight is to explain the role of church and the role of you as a leader. So the big challenge on, on nights like this is, well, what are we giving people? Why do we get people out on a weeknight? And, and I want to impart to you, and there's special times that Jesus had with his disciples, and you know he, he did it a little bit different. They had time, and they'd go out in the hillside and um, go at different places and hang out. Well, this is a little bit like that. Um, but we're going to, you know, I guess, take every opportunity that we can to um, hear what Jesus wants us to do and combine what we're doing together as the church. So um, tonight, hopefully, you can uh, understand the role of what One Heart Church is here for and what you're in One Heart Church for as well. So is that good? So I'm going to just sort of deviate a little bit from that, from that scripture that I just started with, but we're going to get to that. That's the main part of my message tonight. But a church, like our church, is made up of many departments, um, and that's all, that's all good. So you have you know, youth, and you have kids, and you have sound booth, and you have music, you have cleaning, you have uh, catering, you have all sorts of departments, and that's all good. But what, what often is missing is a single focus. So at One Heart Church... Our name wants to be our prophetic vision and purpose, that we have one heart, we have one purpose. So we, we do have to have many departments, but we've, we've got to have a single purpose. So our success depends on how well the different departments work with each other. So operating separate departments in isolation is a fail. That's not good, that's not cool. So understand... The crossover points, I'm just introducing a new concept here for you tonight, crossover points or connections. And you as a leader, and, and I'm using these things tonight, and I'll say things tonight that may offend you some way along the way. And I know when I first heard Paul Scanlon, I was so offended. I thought, I don't like what this guy's saying. But after I've been in ministry for many, many years, I understand the wisdom and the the context of what he was, where he was coming from and why he said what he said. But um, we've got to understand the crossover points. Crossover points, um, they are the reason that your, t your team is here. The crossover points. It's like wheels in a... cogs in a mechanism. The crossover points is where they meet together and one cog 
makes the other cog work and vice versa. So departments and purpose. When the department's purpose aligns with the vision, you build. I think that's the next slide. We've got to understand how, why we have departments and their purpose. When the department's purpose aligns with the vision, you build. So our vision, which a lot of you would have heard before, and I always want to take every opportunity to share it, is to be a large, relevant church of mature believers who love our community. Growth track is part of that maturing. So we, when you do growth track, you'll discover things, or you ought to discover things about our church. You'll also discover things about yourself. It's a work in progress, but I believe as we uh, do it, um, as we progress through that over time, uh, it will become more and more valuable, not only to uh, us in the church, but new people coming in. And we've got a belief for that. That's why we do what we do, because we, we want to see new people come to Christ. And we want to see people who don't know God find God. And we're seeing that more and more. This year, we're seeing lots of people coming in who, who never had a church background, and they're coming to know Christ. And I think that's so uh, amazing to see. So department is a problematic word because it, at its core is the word depart, which means to separate, which means to disconnect. So while we have specialised areas of ministry, there's a need to stay focused and tuned in with the whole church. So we clean for the church. We welcome people for the church. We have youth services for the church and many departments with a single purpose, which is building the church. So with the crossover, if clean buildings were the goal, we wouldn't let people in because people make a mess. And so sometimes we can, you know, and I'm not picking on the cleaning team, but I'll use that as an illustration, but sometimes people could be on the cleaning team and they're thinking, but, but, but look at all the mess. Pastor, look at the mess. And you go, we have mess because we have people. And, and I remember being on a welcome team. I, I, I've probably shared this before. We were on a welcome team and there were some people on the team. One of our roles was to welcome everyone to church. Hi, how are you going? And we had two services. So in between services, you had to pick up all the mess and clean it all up and get the get place tidy for the next group to come in. And there was people on the team who were so, so angry because of all the mess. And they're saying, the pastor should be saying to people to clean up their mess before they, before they leave, pick up your mess and take it with you. Well, you know what? People don't, even if you said to. But you know what? They lost the purpose of, of the mess is because there's people. And we've got to have that understanding that, praise God, we have a messy church. But we want to keep it clean so that people can come into a nice environment, even though they're the ones who mess it up. So if coffee were the goal, we would run a cafe. If it were all about kids, we would have a kindergarten. So, but the purpose of our crossovers is that we are building the church. So we're building the church because it's God's way. This is what you've got to understand tonight. If you don't hear anything else, we're building a church because it's God's way to bring a positive spiritual influence into a broken world. That's why we're here. Did you understand that? We're building church because it's God's way to bring a positive spiritual influence into a broken world. It's God's plan. It's God's way. And as a leader, it's up to you 
to have a passion and purpose for your leadership and those you lead. It's up to you to recruit others into your field. It's not up to the pastor. It's not up to other people around you. When you take on that role of leadership, it's up to you. Who's already offended now? Don't talk down what God has put in your hand. Because you'll never pass that, you'll never pass that otherwise. So there's too many leaders around who talk down what they've got to do. Or they talk down the call of God. We're going to look at that in a little bit later. Be enthusiastic in what you do because enthusiasm attracts people to you. If you're the one moaning about it, then you, you, you're going to do it by yourself forever. If you're complaining that there's no people, it's amazing how people say in church, oh, that we've got no one. We've got no one. Well, I can tell you there's 150 people who turn up here on Sunday and the reason they're probably not doing anything is because they, 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 they're not being asked. And so it's a matter of, of going after people, talking to them. Psalm 69 verse 9 says this, Passion for your house has consumed me. Passion for your house has consumed me. And I, I know I can't help it, but when I get into stuff, I just get passionate. I was on a hunting trip once to the Flinders Ranges, and I was with this guy and his cousin. I, I knew my friend, but I didn't know his cousin. And we're just talking about stuff, and I'm just like... Oh, getting all fired up. He goes, man. He says, are you a preacher or something? I wasn't really back then, but, but I'm like, I'm, I, I don't know. He goes, mate, you just get really passionate about everything. So I'm just, I can't help it. You, know, you talk about you know, uh, you know, police, you talk about you know, all sorts of stuff, and you're just like... Brrr. But we need to have a, a, a sense of passion. You might think, oh, I'm not a passionate person. That, that's okay. You've got to get a, a sense of of uh, uh, desire and just something on you and in you for where, you're, where you are, where you're serving. And especially if you're a leader, you've got, if you want to inspire others, then you've got, to, you've got to be an inspiring kind of a person about that role. So passion for your house has consumed me. Psalm 69 verse 9. And it says this, And the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. This is personal now. So you find yourself defending your church when others insult it. You find yourself defending the faith when someone else insults that because passion for God's house consumes you. I want you to leave tonight with something of the passion of God's house getting on you, getting in you, so that you, you can't say, you know, it, it becomes personal. When people start you know, insulting God's house, well, I don't want to say anything because probably, you probably had someone tell, tell it to you this week. But you know, there's, there's things that people will say. Why do they have that? Why do they do that? Why don't they have this? Just because this, we don't have this and we do that. That's why. If you don't like it, there'll be another church who does that and doesn't do this. So that's just how life is. So you don't go to McDonald's and say, why don't you serve sushi? You don't because they don't. That's, why they, that's what they do. So if you, if you want to have a healthy spiritual life, find the place where they do what you like to do and go there and love it. Yeah, it's too easy. It'd be much, much better for us. But I love that, that thing, passion for your house. And the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Make it personal. 
So when someone says, oh, you know, why, why do we have to be told where to sit? You know, and they're saying, no, I'm not going to do that. You've got you to make it personal. Don't, don't be angry with a person, but say, listen, we've got a small building. This building's too small. And, and last Sunday, there was over 160 people. And if we were saying, oh, we're going to keep putting out more rows, they'll be in the car park. And we're running out of car park too. But you, do you get my heart here? Do what you have to do to say, God, let me have some passion. And I tell you, when you start to get that passion in you, you will not have, you will not have trouble having people help you. So the title of my message, that was the introduction, is Lions and the Call of God. Lions and the Call of God. I want you to appreciate the weight of the, of the call of God on your life and take it seriously. Because I see a lot of people who don't have the passion because they don't understand the call. They're waiting for something. They're, they're waiting for the spark. They're waiting for, 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 for a magical moment where they're suddenly going to go, oh, yeah, now I see why I need to do more than just turn up on Sunday. Every second week. So i just give you some points if you're a leader here tonight. To be a good leader, you coordinate and you put people together. You, you set up rosters and, and you just see that the job gets done. That's a good leader. But God's called us to be great leaders. So to be a great leader, you have to take the underdeveloped, the raw, and start to put something into that and turn it into something better. So you're taking unde undeveloped, raw people. It's like you know, you, you're the youth pastor and you're just finding some 14-year-old some kid who, who doesn't, even, you know, doesn't even know anything about anything, has so many in insecurity issues and all that, but you're saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to ask you to help me with this and that, and you're just putting life into them and you're just watching them develop and then they, they turn into you know, a significant person in the house of God. That's a great leader. And that the great leader finds someone who, who is a little bit quiet and, and introverted and says, hey, why don't you help us on the coffee machine? A, good, a, a great leader finds someone who, who maybe can, can play two notes on the keyboard and say, hey, why don't you come to music practice? You think, but they're going to waste our time, exactly. I mean, I started... Luke was in our youth group in Mount Barker. When, when Beck started, you know who Beck is, she played with two fingers on the keyboard. That was our music team, her two fingers. Because you, you could play classical. And I said, well, I don't know what that is. Just come and play for you. She goes, oh, well, these sort of things I can only play with two fingers. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's start with two fingers. But you know what? She, she became the, the, the church music leader because we, I discovered she had two fingers. But the first time I was prophesied over was by a Sunday school teacher, Christine McMillan. And I, I think I was probably 12 years old. I don't remember what I said, but she stopped everything in the middle of this conversation with, with this small group of kids and she prophesied over me. She says, you are going to be a mighty man of God and God's going to use you. And I didn't know what to think or do. I was just like, what? What is that? I wasn't even sure that God liked me yet. I was just like, well, I, 
you know, I don't, I don't know about this. God's going to make me a mighty man. I'm so, I'm so timid. And then the next time someone prophesied over me, I was 14. Pastor John McDonald at Rosanna Full Gospel Church. And he's preaching away one, one day and he suddenly stops in the middle of what he was doing and he says these words, there's a young man here and I was sitting somewhere in the crowd and as soon as he said, there's a young man here, my heart just starts going kaboom, 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 kaboom. And I'm thinking, he's talking about me. I don't know how or what, what's happening. I've never experienced that to that degree ever. Not since or, 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 and not before. But my heart began pounding and he says, he says uh, the, the, you know, I know who you are. And I'm thinking, oh, I know it's me. And he, sa- and, and he starts saying these things and he goes, if you don't put your hand up, he goes, I will point you out. And I put my hand up. He said, thank you. I knew it was you. And then he says, he, he says, says these words, don't be afraid of their faces. I'm calling you to preach. I'm, and I'm thinking, what? That was the last thing on my mind. I, I, didn't even, I didn't even know if I wanted to go to church next week. Honestly. But, he's, but these things were prophesied and spoken, spoken over my life. And God began to call me well before. And God will begin to call you well before you think about it. Before you're ready. Before you're even willing. And I know the word was for me, but I thought... God had got it wrong both times. But looking back now over a lifetime of experience and how God puts things together and God you know, just draws you to himself for a purpose, I can see, wow, what seemed crazy to me, what seemed like I didn't even want or care about, God spoke into being. Now, I'm not saying that we make up prophecies over people. We don't want to do that. But what we want to do is have the spark of the Holy Spirit that can inspire something in people. About lions and the call of God. I'm going to speak about some lions tonight. Amos 3 verse 4. Does a lion ever roar in a thicket? We, you know, in, in our thing we'd say, does a lion ever roar in the bush? Without first finding a victim. Does a young lion growl in its den without first catching its prey? <clears throat> so the first thing I want you to see today You won't see the lion behind the scene in the thicket until it roars and it's on you and it's too late. It doesn't roar without finding its victim, it says. Finds a victim, close quarters, then it roars and then it's on you. This describes the deceptions of Satan that lead lead us into the thickets. The lion doesn't growl while stalking its prey. The devil doesn't give his position away. And we need, to, we need to understand that about our enemy, that he doesn't give his position away. So sometimes things that are there that are, that, that are in the thickets of life, the, 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 the normal living, the devil's hiding behind things, and we don't know he's there until it's too late. And he roars and he's got us. So you need to know about the devil and the call of God that he's not going to give his position away. And sometimes you can be, you, you can be caught into things that you don't need to be part of because the devil's actually hiding behind a person. 
Sometimes the devil's talking through a person. Oh, you don't need that. They can't make you do that. Oh, why do you have to do this or that? And it can, do, can be the devil hiding in the thicket to lead you astray. Amos 3 verse 8, it says, The lion has roared, so who isn't frightened? The sovereign Lord has spoken, so who can refuse to proclaim his message? This sums up perfectly, this me- just in that verse, what I'm talking about tonight. So the second thing here, this sums up um, th- this thing about the, the, the lion roaring to scare us off. Um, the lion and the call of God. It says there, first of all, the lion has roared, so who isn't frightened? When God begins to call you out, so God starts to say, Luke, Con, Kimberly, Lulu, anyone here tonight, God starts to call you out. And when he begins to call you out, you can be sure that you'll have a lion roar in your face. And those lions can be all sorts of things. Sometimes it can be a lion of a career. So you're thinking, well, things were just starting to get good. I had to face this one before coming to Port Lincoln. Things were just starting to get good. I had the job of a lifetime. Had a job till I'm dead. And not actually be a job. It's sort of like working for the government. It's like, (laughs) you get paid a lot, but... But it's it, intimidation will come your way. A lion will roar in your face. As soon as you make that decision, I'm going to make a, a step towards the purpose of God in my life, there will be a lion. And he'll say, you can't afford that. You'll have people call you. You'll have people visit you. You'll, they'll, they'll say, that is crazy. That's not going to work. What do you think you're doing? Who do you think you are? These are all the kind of things that the lion's voice will speak into your world. It's called intimidation. And it's designed to make you doubt God, doubt that God has spoken over you. What's it say there? It says this, the lion has roared, so who isn't frightened? The lion's roaring, I'm frightened. They're scary. I was at the Melbourne Zoo one day and I saw this lioness and I thought, oh, she's in this spot. I think I can get really close. And I, I got as close and she noticed me and roared and came at the cage. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing I could not do. It. I was just like, I think if there was no fence in between, I'm lion food. It was like, I, I just went, this, this huge roar that you think, where'd that come from? That was a lioness. And she just came at the fence and sort of lunged at it. And, and I was just, I was, if there was no fence there, I couldn't run, I couldn't move. I was just like, shocked. So where was I up to? So, it is, so that when the lion roars, who isn't frightened? It is a scary thing. The sovereign Lord has spoken. So we have to discover and, and recognize and put the weight where it should be about the call of God when he speaks into our life. So Brooke, so for your cleaning of the church, so Brooke does our, our cleaning but the word of God spoken over her life is you're not going to be cleaning the church forever. But one day God is going to call, this is prophetic now, God is going to call you to be cleaning up people. But it's so easy to miss the, the, the stages along the way because we think, well, I'm just cleaning the church. What's, what does that matter? I keep cleaning and keep getting messed up. 
Get someone else to do it. But if you can stay focused on, on the cleaning of the church, then God will take you through stages. And, and it's not about stepping on other people's shoulders and then saying, now I'm, I'm on the top of the pyramid. That's rubbish. But what it is about is, is grasping a hold of what God is saying, not being intimidated by the roar of the devil and saying, well, God, I'm going to follow you. And then God says, I'm going to take you from cleaning buildings to cleaning people, as in spiritually. Let's get that right. Amos 3, verse 12, if we move on, it says this. This is what the Lord says. A shepherd who tries to rescue a sheep from a lion's mouth will recover only two legs or a piece of an ear. Wow. This is what the Lord says. A shepherd who tries to rescue a sheep from a lion's mouth will recover only two legs or a piece of an ear. So, point number three, when a sheep gets caught by a lion, there isn't going to be much left. So, when the lion roars, it may be too late. That sounds morbid, but has a lesson for the shepherds. So please understand this. Put yourself in this picture right now. Put your name here. And I, I don't, it doesn't matter to me whether you're a team worker or you're leading a, a welcome team or whether you're leading a department in the church you, or if you're just a part of a team. Put your name here and make it, um, make it real for yourself. Your job isn't catering or welcome team or to preach or to do kids. You're the leader. You're a shepherd of people. And you are to protect sheep from lions. Be a smart sheep. Here's a tip for you. Be a smart sheep and make sure you're in good relationship with your pastor. There's so many people who are in distant relationship to their pastor. And, and it's just like, well, I'm too busy. I, I'm just distracted. I don't ever talk to them. The only time I ring is when there's a, when there's a problem. Don't have, don't have any relationship, really. That's a bad place to live. Being too busy is a lion. Cynical is a lion. Critical is a lion. Ungrateful is a lion. Unforgiving is a lion. Laziness is a lion. That if we give way to those lions won't leave much of you left. And we need to be leaders, we need to be pastors, we need to be shepherds who are looking over the sheep and saying, if this lion roars, it's gonna all, it, it could be too late because it's going to be on them and, and it's going to take away a lot and we may not be able to get much more than just an ear, a piece of an ear and two legs. And you know what? There's pretty much not much you can do with that. A, a mauled leg. Or a piece of an ear. So we need to have a, 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 a realization about the call of God is a call to shepherd people, is a call to protect people. And as I say, having a good relationship with a pastor is really important because you've got to have somebody in your life who can speak into you. Well, I'm not the only pastor here. We've got, we've got quite a few pastors here in this room. But you need to have people who can speak into your life. I had a, a person, I uh, had a few people actually, who said, oh, we want to base our ministry in your church. And I've said, well, okay, if that's what you want to do, here's the rules. And like, oh, we're not going to do that. Then don't base your ministry here with us. 
Because if you want to say your, your ministry is based in one heart church, then we need to be able to speak into your life. We need to say, hey, I think you're doing too much. I think you, 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 your health isn't very good. You need to take some time off. Who's going to tell you that? Well, no one's going to tell, tell me. That's, that's not wisdom. And when we're living and, and in a church together, we need, to, we need to allow ourselves to have those who can help us. And usually it's, it's left too late because we don't have good relationships and good friendships with those in ministry around us. And then we, we take on this and we take on that and work gets busy and the kids start growing up. And then we start saying, well, though, that, that lion starts speaking and we say, well, that's it, I'm, I'm not doing anything anymore. And we all know people who have done great things in the house of God, fully committed at everything, serving, serving, serving. And then you say, where did they go? They just stopped. Because they never learnt to have people around them that they could trust to say, take, it, take a break. Take a couple months off. It's okay. It's not because they hate you. It's because they love you. But sometimes we love to live with the, with the aura, with the mystique that I can do everything. I can keep up. Just watch me. I'm, I'm, I'm managing. Daniel in the Bible, he's best remembered because he was thrown alive to the lions and survived. Most people know the story. Even unbelievers quote things about Daniel in the lion's den. So I'll give you some history. All of Israel was taken captive to Babylon. I don't know if these work here. But if you... Will these work? So Israel is kind of like... That's the, the sea, that's the land. Israel, Judah was probably about here. All of Israel got captured and were all taken away. All that was left was a little, little bit called Judah. One tribe left out of all of them. Eventually, they get taken away and they go to Babylon, which is somewhere over there. And Daniel's one of those ones who got taken away to Babylon as a captive. All of Israel was taken captive by Babylon. But it's a prophetic picture of end days. I know I've been talking about end days a lot. But when the same spirit of Babylon rises today, it's there to dominate and destroy God's people. And we see today that the Babylon spirit wants to destroy Israel. And it wants to destroy the church. Because it's, it's a spiritual thing that is still active today. It's the devil who wants to destroy Israel what God loves. <clears throat> so how, I want us, I'm going to give you some points, how to be a Daniel generation. And if we develop these three things in our lives, the lion can roar, but he's not going to get us. The lion can roar, but he's not going to get us. So the first thing we see, Daniel 1 verse 8. It says, Daniel would not defile himself and eat the food of Babylon. Church leader, one heart church, you've got to figure out, discern the elements of Babylon that defile your life, that defile you from being prepared and ready for God. Sometimes that's just wasting time. 
Sometimes that's what we're looking at. People from Babylon look at whatever. People from Babylon talk about whatever. They drink whatever. They do whatever they want because they're from Babylon. Have you ever done something you're thinking, oh, darn, but I'm a Christian. I remember a friend of mine saying he went out fishing, a really warm day, him and, him and another guy from our church back in Rosanna Full Gospel days. And this guy's telling me he went, went out fishing, it was so hot, and all that was to drink was beer. And, and the guy doing the fishing, you know, the guy from the boat saying to him, oh, you guys want a drink? And, and one guy, his name was Murray, he, he's thinking, oh, man, I'm so thirsty, I'll drink anything. He goes, yes, please. And the other guy, Ian, he says, no, we don't drink beer, we're Christians. And Murray's like, you speak for yourself. But people from Babylon, they, they don't worry about that. So the difference is when you're born again, you're not from Babylon anymore. So some of the things from your past life, you don't want to do anymore. That you've got to, you've got to distance yourself from those things and say, well, that's not part of me, whatever that is. There are things that you cannot live with to win against lions if you're living too close with the things of Babylon. Because they're like the thickets that surround, that, 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 that uh, confuse things, that, that, that hide things, that conceal things. And, and you think, well, it's okay, I, I can do this, it's all right. Nobody else knows, but you know what? You don't see the lion that will come out of that. And then he roars and it's too late. Remember, the lion doesn't roar until he's got the victim. The young lion doesn't growl until it's got its prey. But you think, I didn't even know the lion was in there. I just turned on my computer and just look at it late at night. Nobody knows. But you don't see the lion that's going to growl. Second one, Daniel chapter 2 and chapter 5. You've got to get in the practice of living in the Holy Spirit. I want us to be a Holy Spirit church. I want us to be a church that knows the Holy Spirit. I don't want to shock anybody here, but I want us to be a church that can move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that can speak in tongues, that can, that can prophesy, that can have words of knowledge and words of wisdom. We've got to practice living in the Holy Spirit. So Daniel interpreted, interpreted he interpreted the dreams of kings and, and he prophesies. He reads the writing on the wall in Daniel chapter 5. And we use that saying today, you know that we have the saying today, oh, I saw the writing on the wall. That goes back to Daniel when, when a finger got on the king's wall and wrote in the, in the plaster and, and it says the king's knees knocked together. He didn't, no one knew what it said except for Daniel because he had the spirit of wisdom from God that interpreted what the writing said. And he said, many, many, tickle, you fasten your... And, and he says this to the king, your days have been... Your, your, your life has been weighed, your days have been numbered, basically you're finished. Imagine saying that. You've been weighed in the scales and found wanting. It says that, that night he died or he was murdered. Daniel prophesied. He lived in the Holy Spirit. Daniel lived spiritually and he shows us we can too in an ungodly environment. We can't get much more ungodly than a Babylon environment. And I think we're living in those sorts of days today. Daniel lives spiritually in an ungodly environment. Key number three, Daniel chapter six, 
Daniel lives by faith and by his convictions. He's a man of prayer and his character is defined by his faith and his convictions in God. So Daniel was trapped by his devotion, living every day with spiritual discipline. So the, the, the other leaders of Babylon trapped him because they said, we're, we're not going to get him on, on anything that he does wrong in his job. He's too good for that. He's smarter than us. He's more wise than us. He's more thorough than us. He doesn't do anything wrong when it comes to his occupation, his duties. He's perfect. We'll never catch him out on anything. So they go, the only way we're going to catch him out is in accordance to his law, to his religion. So what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to somehow tell the king to make that illegal. So they come up with a plan. Anyone who prays to any god, any other thing, except for the king for a month, has to be thrown to the lions. And that's what trapped Daniel. But he wasn't going to say, oh, you know what, oh, okay, it's illegal for the next month. I'm just not going to pray. It says, as soon as he heard the law had been signed, he went home, opened up the windows of his upper room, knelt down and began to pray to God. Maybe he's thinking, you know what, throw me to the lions. I'm going to the Lord. But he wasn't intimidated. He had a roaring lion in his face, literally. But he lived by faith and conviction. He's a man of prayer. Daniel was not a person who's going to neglect his time with Jesus or neglect his time with God. And we need to be people who don't neglect our time with Jesus every day. I can't stress enough how important it is to have personal time where you can spend time with God, read your Bible, pray, think and listen. We call that meditation. But think a bit and listen. Think about the word. Think about what it's saying. Daniel was thrown to the lions but wasn't eaten. So your call as a leader requires you to be higher than the standard of Babylon. What you eat from, what you listen to, what you look at. You can't be living by the standards of Babylon if you want to be in the, the process of the call of God in your life. I read today in, in the book of Ezekiel, that's another great book, where it says, eat what I give you. And, and the, the God speaking to Ezekiel, and it says, eat this scroll and, and eat my words and let them be real to you first. And that's what we need to do. It says, fill yourself up. It says, fill yourself up on these words that I give you. And I think there's a lot of broken churches around, a lot of broken ministries around because people aren't filling themselves up with the word that God gives them. Sure, we're filling up on the, the roars of the lions. Sure, we're filling up with that's enough. Don't you think you've done enough? How much more do they want from us? Does it really matter if, 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 if you know, people sit anywhere they want? Yes, it does because we, we do all these little things because it helps more people get in. So that, that's why we do what we do. Because we want to we make it the best we can so that other people can come. Our focus isn't so that we have our same seat every week. Our focus is so that someone else could sit in that seat. How would you be if the, if the church got so full and there was lots of new people coming in and, and they're going, well, there's not enough seats. Would you say, well, that's okay. I'll stand at the back. I know this stuff. I'll find a way for someone else. I know where there's more chairs in the shed. I'll go and do that. 
But your call as a leader requires you to be higher than the standard of Babylon. What you eat from, what you listen to, what you look at. So One Heart Church, we are not lion bait in the thicket. I don't want to be the pastor of a whole crowd of lion bait. One Heart Leaders, you are called to be the lion tamer and the lion slayer. So you don't want to be the leader who says, you know what, the person in my church, they, they got eaten by a lion. And by the time I heard the roar, I went, well, I went after them and I found a piece of an ear. That's all that was left of whoever. Just their ear. So we've got to give fight. We've got to give fight in our spiritual. When we pray, we've got to know the word of God. Can I have some, maybe some background music here? That might be helpful. But we've got to give fight and, and know how to use the word of God in our fight. Because one of the things that God honors is his word. So when the devil starts roaring at us, even when you think, wow, that was way too close, you need to say, declare the word of God in that lion's face. So that the lion of, of poverty might be saying, hey, you know what, you're going to lose your job, you're going you're to lose your house, you're going to lose everything. You're going to say, stop, lion. The word of God says, I don't live by bread alone, but I live by every word of the, that comes from the mouth of God. Whatever other thing that comes in, a, a lion of fear will say, you can't do that. You're not experienced. You don't know enough. You're not strong. No one will respect you. That lion will roar on your face. You're going to say, you know what? God says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you, you, you shut the lion's mouth with the word of God. Now, I don't know what Daniel said to those lions. But maybe he, he got thrown in that pit and he said, I am the head and not the tail. No, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And the lion said, we agree with that. And they all sat in the corner. We've got to ask ourselves, why not me? Why not me, Lord? We, we used to sing songs like, you can use anything, Lord, use me. I think we need to ask ourselves often, God, why don't you use me? Lord, use me. Help me to shine. Help me to see the things that, that are like the, the shadows of Babylon that are, that are not fitting for my calling. Take that calling as the highest thing in your life. We've got to declare that we're powerful in Jesus because we don't shut the mouths of lions by our wisdom or by our strength, but by the blood of Jesus. Because there is another lion that I want to introduce as I finish tonight. It's called the Lion of Judah. And he's the one who, who defeated every other lion when he hung and gave his blood on the cross so that the lion doesn't have to taste your blood. He's our king and he's our ruler. And he has all authority. And when he roars... Every other devil runs. Every other lion hides. We're powerful with Jesus. I want us to, to pray that the Lord will give us wisdom as we work out our crossovers together.
There's nothing worse than, than, than a, a church that doesn't understand how the crossovers work, where we started tonight. We're thinking that, that that's mine, that's mine. Sometimes we need, to, we need to learn that it's a whole, not just a whole lot of separate departments. We're a whole church. We all need each other. We're all important. Every single detail is important to the, in the house of God. I want to remind you again of our vision as I finish tonight. Let's be a large, relevant church. We prophesy when we speak this of mature believers who love our community. I'll add a little bit on for tonight. And no lion is taking that away from us. We are going to be a large, relevant church. We're becoming a large, relevant church. We are going to be mature believers. And we are going to love our community. We do love our community. Because God put us here. It's not random that Beth's here. It's not random that Kirsty's here. It's not random that Jansen and Sharon are here. It's not random that Luke's here. We're here because God said, I want people who are going to get a fire and a passion in their heart and they're going to change the city of Port Lincoln. Just close your eyes right now. Now, I don't know if you've had words spoken over your life today or if ever. But usually I think in, in, a, in a group like this, there's people who say, yeah, you know what, I had a prophecy. I, I wasn't looking for it. I didn't understand it really. And I was just like, hmm, huh. not, not really sure. All I can say to you tonight, connect with the call of God. Connect with the call of God upon your life. Because with every call, there's going to be a lion. Every thicket will have a lion. But Jesus wants to carry you through. So I don't know what, where you're at with things, what you've done. There's another lion. I'll just throw this in as, as we're coming to an end. There's another line that says that you're too old. You've got to stare that lion in the face and say, I'm not too old. I'm not finished. I'm just going through this. There's a thicket of old age that the devil wants to say, yeah, you're not, you're not going to get through this. None of us are that old. So Lord, I just pray today over One Heart Church, over these leaders, that something may deposit upon each person here tonight of your power, of your anointing, of your passion. Lord, I pray that a passion for your house will, will get upon people today. That an anointing will fall over this place today. And we'll find ourselves getting defensive, not against people, but against the, the lions, the lying lions that want to intimidate and destroy and make us back up into a corner. I just pray in Jesus' name. We're going to push past the lion. We're going to push past the lies. We're going to push past intimidation. Say, Lord, use us. Now, what we're going to do to finish, I just want, want you to pray for, for someone. Every single person here, pray for someone. 
and have someone else pray for you. And don't be embarrassed if you say, hey, no one actually prayed for me yet. Then just say, hey, can someone pray for me? Don't, don't, don't back off. Don't be scared. There might be a lion that says, oh, no one wants you to pray for them. You're going to push that lion out of the way too right now and let the Holy Spirit move through you in a powerful way tonight and encourage and bless someone else. So we're going to do that just for the next few minutes and then we're finished. So um, just remember the call will always have a lion and pu push past that lion and possess your core.